Greetings, shipmates. Welcome to this edition of Voyage of Rediscovery, a commemoration of the fall 1998 journey on Semester at Sea. Before we jump in, or shall I say dive in, a reminder that you can follow our voyage, access other conversations, check out all participant bios, learn about and contribute to the Fall 1998 Commemorative Scholarship, as well as order swag from sas25th.com, and that's sas25th.com. Dolphins portside! All right, excuse me, let's start the show. In today's episode, we speak with Jessica Berman, Back in 1998, we knew Jessica as Jessica Cohen, and she attended the University of Michigan. Originally from Brooklyn, New York, we'll hear about how her childhood influenced her decision to go on Semester at Sea, how a little bit of serendipity made the experience more intimate for her, and how she's applied her global experience in 1998 to her current role as an executive in a global sport. Hop on board, everyone. The ship is leaving. So the way I like to kick this off is just by asking, did you have an inspiration for going on semester at sea? I always had a love of travel. And actually, I think growing up in Brooklyn, New York, gave me the fuel to try to go deeper in people's cultures and meet people from different backgrounds, because it really is a melting pot of people from all different places. And it's a community where people hold on to their original ethnicities and heritage and traditions, I think more so than in other communities. And so I think that always fueled my love for travel. And when I heard about Semester at Sea, I thought what a great way to sort of sample the world. And uh, while you sacrifice getting a immersive experience in one place, you really get exposure into so many different countries and cultures. And I also love boats. And so it felt like a, a great opportunity to experience something that felt very unique. When you considered going, did you have other people that you were planning to travel with? I know you made fast friends, but it escapes me now as to whether any of those were friends from either back home or school or whether you just made them when you boarded. I made the decision to go alone and did not know of anyone who was going to be there that I knew previously. However, I learned after I registered and signed up and was scheduled to go that a friend of mine from growing up in Brooklyn actually was going to be on the boat. Uh, Rebecca Erber was someone that I'd known since I was in elementary school and through friends of friends and people sharing, oh, you're going on semester T, Rebecca Erber is going to be there. I actually hadn't seen or spoken to her in many years. So we've reconnected actually before the trip and planned to travel out there to Vancouver together. And so it, it did provide a sort of easing mechanism into the experience, but I didn't sign up knowing she was going. That's incredible. I uh, remember, and I was not aware of whether you were 
knowing each other before or whether you met on the ship, etc. But that clarifies that for me. And so great to hear. Were there any particular destinations that you were looking more forward to than others? Yeah, for sure. I always felt like just given the nexus of proximity and culture, but also geographically that places in Europe and, you know, North America, like Canada, were places that I would assume that I would have the opportunity to travel to as I got older in my life. Um, because they feel very accessible. And so I was most looking forward to going to places that felt foreign and felt inaccessible. So uh, for sure, like the places across Asia and the Middle East were the places I was most excited to see. One of the things that I've heard over these conversations is really how shocking is probably a strong word, but the arrival in Japan was something that was more unexpected for people than they might have assumed, the lack of language. Did you have that experience either in Japan or anywhere more than anywhere else? Yeah, um, for sure. I would say um, it sort of validated what I wanted to experience, which is, you know, I, I have always felt like as Americans, we live in a bubble and sort of assume that it's the universal language and everybody's going to speak it and that our culture sort of transcends everywhere, even though our history is the shortest, arguably. So I, I just always felt like that those assumptions have to be false. And so arriving in Asia first was like the moment that I was like, I knew it. <laughs> I, I knew it wasn't true. Um, it can't be true. It makes it would make no sense because places around the world have been in existence for thousands of years and their cultures are so strong that, you know, it's just sort of validated the sort of Americanized philosophy that like, you know, we sort of dominate the world. I really wanted the experience to show me that were small in in relation to the world, smaller in relation to the world. And it definitely did that. And I think language is something that um, is just a very obvious truth serum because it's very humbling when you can't communicate with people. For sure, in 1998, um, and I don't know what it's like today, but walking around Japan, not having any signs in English sort of making false assumptions as you walk around when you see signs that look like, you know, what be like a restaurant in the US. And then you walk in and it's like a home goods store. And you're like, well, I just sort of assumed there'd be food here. You know, all of those sorts of things were, were humbling, but also like what I wanted to see. You mentioned you like boats. I recall the 10 or 14, however many days it was from Vancouver to Japan being patchy, I suppose, to say the best. We had a typhoon. Did you feel the same about your love of boats at that point in time? I did. And I don't think I got sick even once on the ship. Um, I don't remember feeling seasick. I grew up on a boat. My dad, my parents, I should say, had a boat my whole life and variety of summers, we would go out for like days or weeks and actually live on the boat. Um, so it was very comfortable for me to live on a boat, but definitely like 
the seasickness thing can be contagious psychologically. So like seeing everybody like down and out was like, oh, wow, I need to like just put my blinders on and like not pay attention to what's going on around me because it was it was quite a scene how nauseous everybody felt. It's funny you mentioned putting blinders on. Were there any moments that you now looking back recognize ignorance, having maybe cultural blinders on? This is a theme that I have noticed in a number of these conversations where people walk in and maybe they make, as you talk about, false assumptions. But did you recognize or do you recognize now having maybe made some false assumptions at any points in time? One thing that sort of surprised me is how on our own we were in those countries. And I, I think it was a great lesson for all of us in responsibility. Like I remember the stress of feeling like the boat would actually leave us if we didn't get back in time. And it was like, well, what does that mean? Like, what am I going to call my parents? Are they going to come and save me? Like, am I going to be trapped in this random country? And, you know, that the sort of autonomy we had in, in traveling was, was something I think that was really special and a, and a really great experience. In terms of the countries, I, I think it fueled my continued love of travel. Um, and from semester at sea, I, after that, tried really hard to experience different cultures, admittedly in the last 15 years, less so with kids. Um, although now that they're getting older, I'm dragging them to interesting places. But in the in the years between semester at sea and having kids, you know, I, I tried to go as far off the beaten path as possible. And I even now still do that to try to get as close to the core of a culture as you can and like peel, peel the onion. Uh, when I was in Qatar recently for the World Cup, where all of our transportation was like set up by, you know, U.S. soccer and everything was like FIFA events, which I just felt like was this blanket over the country, um, which in some ways provide a safety net. But also like if I'm going to go to Qatar, I feel like I need at least like some experiences that are authentic. And I did sort of think back and I actually called Rebecca. What would I do if I was on semester at sea? Like what are those experiences that would give me that authentic experience? And like, I went in regular taxi cabs. Like I, I tried to like skirt the, the blanket so that I could experience the real culture there, which was, which was something that reminded me how much I love traveling. So I think semester and C instilled that in me. What do you remember of how you traveled? And by that, I mean, when you approached traveling, did you opt for excursions? Did you mix it up with independent travel? Did you plan? Were you improvisational? My recollection, which it'd be interesting to know whether this is actually true, is that early in the trip, I definitely planned more, um, I think, like meaning signed up for multi-day excursions and was with like a group. And then my recollection as the trip went on in the latter countries, I was doing much more independent travel, I think. Um, again, like it's very easy to do revisionist history, however many decades later. 
but um, that's my recollection. And I, I think it was like helpful that we were able to sort of control how, how much we did on our own versus having it sort of orchestrated by others. Are there any particular memories that you travel back to moments in time that were more significant or easier to recall for whatever reason? Yeah, I have like a lot of very um, vivid memories, like almost from every single country, which I don't have the best memory, to be honest, um, generally, maybe because my brain is like maxed out in capacity. I often feel like I'm like short circuiting, um, just like just something has to go out if something new has to come in. But the semester at sea memories are like very much ingrained, maybe because they were that special and unique. But I do, I have mem- I have a lot of very specific memories. Any that you might tap into to share? Like I was in India floating along the Ganges and a man said to me, hey, this is what you're gonna do with the rest of your life. Or <laughs> obviously they're your memories. Maybe because you mentioned India, the memories I have of like visiting the Taj Mahal. And if I'm not mistaken, there was like an insurgence, like a riot happening there at that time. And just my sort of gratitude for like stability and the privileges we have in our structure and how fragile so many places are. Um, and how dissatisfied so many people are with like their situations on the one hand. On the other hand, like those same places also left me feeling like people have gratitude with almost nothing and, you know, how indulgent our culture is. I do remember like giving out pens. Like I remember coming with notebooks and and I remember visiting like Mother Teresa's orphanage and like just the small things that we all take for granted and how valuable they were to people. Yeah, like floating down the Ganges and seeing people like wash their clothes in the river and a lot of very vivid memories. Do you think anything in particular has informed your life from that experience more than anything else? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say it's like a strong influence and contributor to what has, I mean, it certainly didn't start with Semester at Sea, but I, you know, I think started with my experience growing up in Brooklyn, but I think Semester at Sea was like a huge reinforcer and likely my decision to go there was probably like self-fulfilling in terms of the things that matter most to me and in in my daily life, personally, in my role as a mom and even in my professional life, like everything that I do is like with those same values and integrity and respect for people from different backgrounds. And it's fueled almost everything. Every single decision I've made in my life is probably goes back to to that. And I think semester at sea was like a huge, huge foundational piece of, of how important that is to me. So I am uh, wearing this yellow hat uh, because when I was on semester at sea, I wore a hat like this. This is definitely not the same one. I noticed that you are also wearing a hat. So I'm not gonna be ignorant to that. I'm gonna set you up here by saying, 
I remember we were on the trip and I remember what a sports fan you were. And I was <laughs> absolutely no rival for that. So I'd love to just hear, you know, how that love of sports has played a role in your life. Yeah. Um, well, it, it's interesting to hear that I communicated that, that like, you know, in some ways it like validates my story when I hear that people who knew me then are like, yeah, we sort of knew this was what you were wanting to do with your life. Um, certainly, again, that's like the story I've told myself that this is what I've always wanted. But you just don't know how you showed up to people around you. So um, I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's validating that I was like, yeah, that that focused and laser laser focused on wanting to be part of the sports industry. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to the same things that we were just talking about, which may or may not seem related, but, you know, growing up in Brooklyn, I, I just always felt like sports was the unique element in our social fabric that brought communities together. And you see it not just in the U S but in all countries. I happen to be working now in a sport that's really like a global language um, in soccer, knowing and seeing the way that it unites people and brings people together is really the thing that has fueled basically every step I've taken in my in my professional pursuits. That's great. One observation that I've made as I've tried to bring this project together is to some extent, the lack of diversity on the ship at that particular point in time. It really mm -hmm. felt like an experience that was privileged for those of us to be on and by way of being privileged of going on it, had some privilege and such. I'm just kind of curious to know, you put all these things together, you talked about values and how this experience reinforced that. And now you're in a position and I think it's so remarkable because a, I'm, I'm a fan of soccer. I always have been. And I think that there's so many opportunities here in this country to level the playing field in so many different ways, but you have this past experience, global vision. I just love, there isn't necessarily a question here, but when we think about diversity, inclusion, globalization, and making opportunities available. I'd love to know if and how Semester at Sea plays a role and how you think about that in your day-to-day -day life professionally. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a fair observation that we sort of embodied in Semester at Sea that bubble of privilege. And it's something that like has been a theme throughout my life. I feel like I've I've struggled actually with the level of privilege that I have and have been given. And actually most of my career has been, I think, fueled by my desire to prove that I deserve what I have. Um, and like part of the reason I work as hard as I do and always was doing internships and all those things was really more, I think, about wanting to compensate or ensure that it, it couldn't be that I have what I have only because of that. But there, there is just no denying the opportunities that that gives you as a sort of running start, a door opener, an assumption that 
you have a right to be there, you know, all those sorts of things that I'm just like, I think too, <laughs> almost too aware of because it like, it not only impacts the way I view other people, but like for my, most importantly, my, my own self-awareness. Um, and I think semester at sea, it's true. Like, you know, it was, I mean, we cruised around the world on a yacht for a thousand people. Like what? That's just like ridiculous. <laughs> um, like who gets to do that? Um, and even, even like throughout my career, it's like, it was on my resume and people would be like, you did what? Like, what is that? And it, it's like, it's something that so few people get to experience. And I think the the juxtaposition of the places we went was like an interesting contrast for all of us. And, and maybe, you know, I think about the course we had on the boat. I don't remember what it was called, but it was like, you learned about the country before you went there. And it was like cultural norms and language and currency and, you know, all those sorts of things. And I hope today they go deeper on like the things we're talking about. I mean, I, I guess implicitly those messages came through for me and probably for a lot of us, but I think there's probably more intentionality that, that could be helpful to students in thinking about like what, what it all means and what you're walking into and what some of the themes that you should be thinking about as you're sort of processing this insane culture shock. So the last question for you, so you've succeeded to the end and there's no doozy here, but as you start to think about it, you've just referenced thinking forward, I'm evaluating how we can pay it forward. And so I'm asking everyone, uh, and this is paying it forward in terms of advice, like for impressionable people, you know, what would you say to them about this kind of experience? I mean, you're a mom, is this the kind of experience that you would recommend to your children? Oh my God, yeah, for sure. Um, I thought it was in an incredible experience and I would love for my kids to do something like this. You know, in hindsight, I wish I also did the immersive experience. You know, I wish that I also had the opportunity to live in another country for three to four months. I think you get a different level of insight and learning from that um, that I don't know that we got. Yes. I, I would love my kids to do it. And actually my, my older son, who's, who's somewhere in this house um, sleeping, he is definitely the kind of kid that would love to do something like this. And so, yes, I, I highly recommend it. Um, and in hindsight, the experiences that matter most, um, which I don't think I realized at the time are actually the experiences where you do less, like just sitting in a coffee shop and like observing people and like eavesdropping on like how they interact and seeing the flow of a day when you're in a place, you know, I, I think there's so much focus on like, you have to see all these sites and like those things are definitely important too. But I think when I think back to some of those moments on semester at sea, like, you know, I, in China, I remember being um, on one of those like bike bicycle cabs and like the 
intended or attempted interaction with the driver and like him showing us where he lives and where his school is and like those sorts of things is the thing that probably matters most in trying to like really get a feel for what it means to be from that country. I relate to that. It's those small interactions and even observations that feel experience as much as being active. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for making time to <laughs> to reconnect to join me for this. I'm, um, I'm, I'm very grateful. I'm rooting for you. I think that there's so many really cool things that you're doing and um, I'm just thrilled to be associated with you. So. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks for checking out this edition of Voyage of Rediscovery. And don't forget to also check out sas25th.com. That's S-A-S-25-T-H.com for everything fall 1998. We'll see you next time. And remember, if you're not back by 8 p.m., the ship will leave without you.